Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. 39 and single. Can someone help me out? He could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. From gay to straight, black to white, shiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. What up? my homies i am coming to you from the attic of my parents house yes that is right my two-week quarantine is up and it flew by so quickly which is wild because usually a two-week wait takes a nightmarishly long time as we all know way too well but i think because my mind is racing and overwhelmed with the state of the world and the fact that i'm trying to keep up with work and airbnb stuff and filing for unemployment time is just completely warped i wake up and suddenly it's dinner time every time it's lunchtime i'm like what i just ate breakfast like a second ago how did i used to fit three meals into a day i really i don't get it i'm truly baffled but i don't mind that time flew because here i am and yesterday i got to trim apple trees with my mom and dad and it was the most beautiful day maybe ever The weird part is, even though we've all been asymptomatic for at least two weeks, it's very strange to actually see people again. We haven't hugged or held hands or sat next to each other on the couch. I've only touched them once, actually, to search for ticks in their hair. But I'll take it, whatever I can get. Anyway, I have no new patrons this week. But that's okay because 260 of you are already patrons and you're keeping this show alive. And honestly, if I wasn't making the $754 a month that I'm making from this show, I don't know if I'd be able to keep doing it because I'd have to be out searching for other ways to make money. That being said, if you are struggling financially right now, as many of us are, I completely understand if you have to unsubscribe for the time being and then subscribe again later. Don't worry. That being said... If you can afford to keep subscribing to the Patreon, oh, please keep subscribing. I need you. In fact, it's a great time for anybody to join the Patreon. You know why? Because now that I'm home, I'm going to take full advantage of my mom and finally post some Patreon subscriber exclusives with her answering questions. If you have any questions or suggestions for my mom, post it on the Patreon. And I've changed my mind. Any of you can now ask her questions or give her suggestions on what to talk about. But here's the catch. If you actually want to hear her responses, you'll have to subscribe to the Patreon at the $5 level. I'm sorry. All right, what's next? Oh, yes, my fertility consultations. I'm absolutely loving my fertility consultations. I'm getting so much out of it, and so are my clients. And if you need a little bit of extra support right now or an unbiased ear, I'm here for you, and I would love to help. Just email me at spermcast at gmail.com, and I'll send you more info and my rates. Now, last week we talked to Molly Erdman, and the topic of late-term and post-term births came up. Well, I got some helpful emails about the topic, and I'd like to share them with you. But since I'm home, I'm going to make my mom read them, since I'm mildly dyslexic, and reading long emails, mm, it's hard for me. So, here's the first one from Marjorie. 
Hello, Molly. First off, let me say how much I love your podcast and look forward to it every week. I'm planning to be a single mother by choice, and listening to your journey has been so informative and encouraging. Thanks for all the diverse interviews, including with doctors, and for sharing your wonderful mother with your listeners. I would like to respond to the part of today's podcast, My First Molly, that addresses later-term births. I just wanted to share my recent personal experience via my sister to say that it is possible to go into labor without interventions after 42 weeks and give birth to a healthy baby. My sister's a registered nurse who gave birth to her first child, a girl, at 43 weeks and four days gestation in a planned home birth at age 34. Due to the high rate of interventions in American hospital births and the general medicalization of birth in American society, and based on her view of pregnancy and childbirth as natural life processes, when the mothers and fetuses are at low risk of complications, she felt very strongly that she did not want to give birth in a hospital, and therefore planned a home birth from the start of her pregnancy. Throughout her pregnancy, she was under the care of an OB who supported home births, as well as two professional midwives who worked as a team. After she passed 40 weeks, she was seen every three to four days by the OB to undergo stress tests and other assessments to see how the baby was holding up. She and the baby always passed with flying colors. I don't think you explicitly named stillbirth as a risk in your podcast, but I believe the main concern doctors have is that after 40 weeks, the possibility of stillbirth rises. My sister's OB did put a fair amount of pressure on her to induce, but never insisted upon it because her test results did not merit that action. And my sister, being a nurse, knew it. My sister did not want to be induced because she would have had to remain at the hospital to be monitored and could not have a home birth. And moreover, induction is correlated with unplanned C-sections, especially for first-time mothers. My sister went into labor on her own at 43 weeks, two days, labored for 36 hours, and gave birth to her daughter at home under the care of two midwives. You're a good reader. Am I a good reader? Yeah. Would you like an accent? No. <laughs> What accents can you do? None very well. <clears throat> okay. Thank you, Marjorie. Now, some of you might be wondering why I haven't gotten into home births and all the different types of birth plans. And that's just because I plan on getting into all of that stuff when I'm pregnant. Right, Mom? Absolutely. <laughs> so that was... There's a lot to study, you know? I want to get into... I want to, I want to go deep. People have been studying it for thousands of years and nobody's figured it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so moving on, we have one more email from Meg, who is a labor and delivery nurse. She's hoping to go to school to become a midwife soon, and um, she had some thoughts on late-term births, but also on advocating for yourself. So let's hear what Meg has to say. Mom? Okay, Molly, where is this email? Okay, sit down. Sit back down there first. Great. Hold on, hold on. First, when Molly was saying she was 36 or so weeks... Molly, she's talking about Molly Erdman, not me. Gotcha. No, I'm just telling you. Oh, mom hasn't listened to the last three episodes because she's been... What? Two episodes. Maybe three. Oh, my God. No, that's okay. She's been very busy. (laughs) And she hasn't been doing the drive... Well, she has been. You've been doing the drive to Nana's, but Dad's been going with you. That's right. 
and <laughs> and he doesn't learn like all my curse words. He hates the word fuck. <laughs> fucky, fucky, fucky. Fuck, 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 fuck. Fuck it. But he says it all the time. I know he's the worst. Anyway, this is from Meg. Okay, here we go. First, when Molly was saying she was 36 or so weeks and she couldn't find another doctor, I wanted to scream out, yes, you can. Please tell your listeners if they are unhappy with their provider or the care they're receiving, they can absolutely fire their provider up until the moment the baby is born. Seriously, I know it would be a very hard decision and stressful, but giving birth is one of those times in your life that will stay with you forever. The way you felt during the process, the way your provider treated you, how supported you felt will be something you will remember infinite details of even when you're 80 or 90. (laughs) You can find a new provider at any point during pregnancy and keep changing providers until you're happy. Keep in mind, you are paying them for service. You make the decisions. Second, like you and Molly said at the end, always ask questions. Definitely a good idea to record your visits because your placenta brain is not going to remember most of what you heard. Bring a list of questions. No question is too crazy or weird. They've heard it all. And most importantly, be your own advocate. Whether it be from providers being too busy, stuck in their ways, sometimes uncaring, burnout, whatever it is, if you feel like something is wrong and your provider isn't listening, go back to number one and find a new provider. Once you're out of their office, most providers aren't thinking about you until your next appointment. So advocate for yourself. It's your body and your baby. And here's what Meg said about C-sections, mother. Uh, Just like Molly said about her OB, he is a surgeon and he wants to cut. That's very true of some OBs. They're trained in surgery and practicing medicine. But most low-risk pregnancies don't need surgery or medicine. They're normal and don't need intervention. So always start off with a midwife if you can. They are trained in normal, low-intervention pregnancies. They typically have the mindset of birth is normal which isn't the mindset of most OBs I've met. Midwives are trained in the midwifery... Is that midwifery or midwifery? Are trained in the midwifery model of care, which is completely different than medical school. If you end up needing the services of an OB, then ask them what their C-section rate is. Ask them how many weeks they're comfortable with your pregnancy going to. In parens, example, 41 weeks or 42 weeks, and parens. And never accept a provider saying to you that they won't allow you to do anything. Again, they are providing a service to you, not the other way around. They are not allowed to not allow you. Yes, they have the expertise when it comes to complications, but there is always more than one option when it comes to decision-making. And here is what she has to say about late-term births. The best resource for information on this is www.evidencebasedbirth.com. The woman who started this is a nurse with her PhD in research who combines all the research on topics of pregnancy and summarizes for those of us without a PhD. She also has a podcast. There are so many conflicting studies and so many different opinions about every topic of pregnancy, so it's nice to have someone else do the research for you. But she provides you all the sources for her research as well. I haven't looked at the link yet, but the address was, in case you missed it, www.evidencebasedbirth.com. By the way, the fact that your maternal history of big babies and you 
and your mom are tall, that just means that your body grows babies the size that your bodies can handle. Yes, there's an average size of babies, but because you and your siblings were bigger means you'll have a baby on the higher end of the average. And your body will grow the size of baby that you're meant to have. I think I felt more compelled to write to you right now because of the upset that COVID-19 is creating for birthing people. They're being told that they have to do certain things and that certain things aren't allowed. But mostly what I really wish every pregnant person knew is that they can say no and that it's their body and no one chooses except for them. Hospitals are taking babies away from positive COVID-19 patients. However, most women don't know that they are allowed to say no to that. It's more important right now than ever before that women know their rights in childbirth. None of your rights as a free person get taken away because you are pregnant. But lots of providers try to make it seem like that is the case. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> okay, everybody. Okay, thank you, Mom. Thanks, Mom. I'm going out and plant peas so we have something to live I'm on. I'm jealous. It's the most beautiful day ever. Right, Even I'm better than yesterday. an hour or so later. Outside? Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay, you For go. the health of the planet, you must come out. I will. Let's move on to today's guest, Hannah. You've all met her before. I interviewed her once or twice from my car or hers outside of Dr. Kalen's office. Remember? Well, it's not required that you do remember because here we go. Nice, dude. Nice. (laughs) I'm not wearing any pants. I am, but I'm not wearing any underwear. Hell yes. (laughs) I just had to take my overalls off. Girl, I feel you. And my well, my long socks. <laughs> and hairy legs. You can't tell. Oh my god. I can't even shave my legs anymore. Really <laughs> okay. That's I that's where we start. So <laughs> last time my listeners heard from you, you yeah. were you and I were sitting in a car, right? And mm-hmm. you were about to do IVF. Yeah, I think we were planning the transfer. I think they had like measured, the lining was good to go. We were like planning the transfer. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And And it was beshert, as we say in the Jewish tradition. Beshert? Beshert. Meant to be because I was getting inseminated on Rosh Well, not inseminated. The embryo transfer was happening on Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year. And then my pregnancy test was scheduled for Yom Kippur. Oh my god! In the Jewish tradition, you get written in the Book of Life during those ten days. Oh my gosh, so, that is so beshert. <laughs> yes, and I had the days off work, so like the timing was very, very good. Oh my gosh, amazing! Oh, I saw you after the transfer. Yes, you did. <laughs> There's Hannah and her husband had been trying to get pregnant for a while, but when it wasn't working, they decided to check with her gynecologist. And when they did, they found out her AMH levels were pretty low. At the time, she was listening to my podcast, and after hearing Dr. Kalen, she's like, I want to go to that guy. So we did two egg retrievals. The first one, we got one normal embryo. The second one, we got five. Five normals. Five five normals. Crazy. Oh my God. Now, did you send off five and five came back normal? No, we sent off eight. Wow. Yeah. That whole round was kind of amazing because we, I think we had 12 embryos. Oh my God. And down to eight um, blastocysts. Did he change the protocol at all between the ideas? Wait, because this was the crazy thing where I... (laughs) <laughs> I took the wrong medication, remember? I Oh yeah. I, or I took the wrong dose. You weren't taking enough. 
I wasn't taking enough. I went in for in the second oh, second IVF. In the second IVF, like it's well, the, the way it worked out is insane. I um, God, I can't even remember Molly. What is the main medication called? Uh, Menopure. Menopure. You Menopure. And I came in to like, you know, as you do during the egg retrievals is they keep an eye on everything. Uh-huh. And I said to them, I have so much menopure like <sighs> over. I'm going to have so much. And she's like, well, you're doing two vials, aren't you? And I was like, oh my God, no, I'm only <sighs> doing one. I had totally forgotten, even though I had done the procedure, you know, before. Yeah. And they said, well, everything looks good. So keep going that way. Yeah. So I kept doing just half the dosage of the menopure. And that's why I was able to buy your menopure. Exactly. For half price or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So crazy. So maybe that was the, maybe that was the key to maybe I having also healthier embryos. I had been doing acupuncture for a couple months by then. Mm-hmm. I also, I was pretty sick for, mm-hmm. ironically, I had a cough for like four months. Oh my gosh. Um, it turned out to be allergies, but mm-hmm. like I was sick for the first retrieval. Okay. Yeah. I remember being, having my like legs up, my vagina was splayed <laughs> to the world and I started coughing. Oh, no. oh my God. <laughs> like it was, it was horrible. And I was like, please just put me to sleep so we can <laughs> So for the second retrieval, by then we had finally figured out like, oh, I have an allergy and I was on um, my allergy medication, my nasal spray. And so I was a lot healthier at that point. Oh my God. Oh my God. I think that might've also helped. Yeah. So who knows? Who who knows? But that second time was great. As it turns out, the first time it didn't matter because that number one embryo is what is growing inside me now. Oh! (laughs) And is now... Uh, soon to be baby boy. <laughs> oh my goodness. And how, okay. So how far along are you now? I'll be 30 weeks the day after your listeners hear this. Okay. They're, they're very smart. Very smart. Way to think. <laughs> Way to use the brain. Yeah. <laughs> so 30 weeks almost. 30 weeks. Oh, and we had a little other stop before the transfer too. Cause then I also had my, I had a septum. So after right. we had, I had surgery to remove the septum. That was the nightmare. I feel like I can talk about that now. I didn't talk about it last time. What? My, I had a nightmare situation with my, uh, God, this is going to be tough because this whole interview is going to be baby brain. That's okay. Also, hold on. My dad just started playing cello and I need to shut the door. (laughs) (laughs) Anesthesia. Oh my God. Yeah. You can talk about that. Hi. 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 I'm going to lie down. Please do. I've been doing work meetings lying down at the, in the afternoon because I'm like, it's just 4.30 and that's what's going to happen. You guys are going to feel. So the stop, so we like got the second retrieval, got the five. So now we know we have six. So we're like, great, we are good to go. We scheduled the surgery after I get back from Ireland. The surgery, the, the septum surgery was after the retrievals? Yes, because the whole thing was Dr. Killen <gasps> was like, we got to stop time first. And to stop time, we get the eggs. Gotcha. And the embryos. And then worry about the retrieval also, or the septum surgery. Also, the septum surgery doesn't take very long to heal. So he's like, we could do the um, transfer pretty much right after okay. the septum surgery. Okay. So everything with the septum surgery went very well, except for my anesthesia. Yeah. And I had a nightmare experience with that. Something happened. I was paralyzed before I was asleep. Oh. And this is not like when the egg retrieval, they put you under, but you don't go, you're not intubated or anything. And right. it's like, for me, both of those times I had like a very, I had like a lovely sleep. 
And I like right. woke up from the nap and I was like, okay. Yeah. And you weren't expecting yeah. anything different. Yeah. And they told me, they're like, we are going to intubate you. And there's going to be a little bit of pain when the medicine like enters, um, your bloodstream, your wrist. Bloodstream. <laughs> your, my wrist. Your, your tube. IV. 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 Thank you. I've got a baby brain and, and I don't have it. I'm not pregnant. Oh my God. It's really <laughs> great for my work as a copywriter that I constantly can't remember words. So, <laughs> so um, he says, there's going to be a little bit of pain when it comes into your IV. So I was like prepared for that. And he said, your throat's going to be sore when the surgery's over because we'll have intubated you. Right. So... So I'm, typically they will put you under first and then intubate you. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. And I was, I was under when I was intubated, thank God. But typically you go to oh. sleep first and then you get paralyzed. Gotcha. When they put you under. Um, but in this case, I felt pain in my wrist where the IV was. And it was like what I assume a stroke would feel like because what? basically like the paralysis went from like one side of my body to the next. So like first it started in, and it was painful. It started in my left hand. It went up my arm. And then I remember I said out loud, what's happening to me, but it kind of came out like what's happening to me because I lost my ability to speak as I was saying it Yeah. and kind of like all I had left and, and my lungs were paralyzed too. So I couldn't breathe. So I grabbed the nurse's arm and I remember thinking in my head, I have to write on her arm, can't breathe. Right. And like this whole thing took 10 seconds. So right. by the time I even thought I have to write this, I, I, by that point lost my fingers and my thumb was the last thing that I lost the ability to move. So I just was pressing into her arm and like staring at her being like, please like read my mind and know that I can't breathe. Yeah. And she was saying, she was like, oh, I think the patient is in some distress, but she was like, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to go to sleep soon. But I, I mean, that feeling of like not being able to breathe yes. is horrific. Yeah. And all, and then I blacked out. And like I said, it was probably 10 seconds, but it was like the scariest <sighs> 10 seconds. And then when I woke up, I was sobbing. Yeah. I just immediately started crying. <laughs> and I you remember it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it kind of like stayed. I mean, now I'm okay, but like I thought I was gonna have PTSD from it, but like the next week I like kept having like little flashbacks. Oh my god. Yeah. So I've talked to some people since then. Basically, they're like sometimes that happens with anesthesia, it just goes in the wrong order. Oh god. But usually it's like in an emergency situation. But like that being said, the surgery like went great. They go in with a camera and there's no incision. They just go right in the vajayjay. Yeah. Vajay, we're talking like, like I need to, I can't say vagina. <laughs> um, they go in with a camera and then like scissors. And he said the septum, cause they can't really tell like how big the septum is, even though I had gotten an HSG and like mm. done all these things. They really don't know until they look at it. And Dr. Kalen said it was a lot bigger than oh, they wow. thought which was probably a giant, I mean, other than the fact that I was losing eggs at a quicker pace than normal, this was another reason that we were not getting pregnant. Yeah. And so he, um, they cut until they see blood because really? then, yeah. And then they stop cause they don't, you don't want to get obviously to the top, but he said, yeah. you know, we think we got a big, a lot of it out and I had no pain from that surgery. Zero. Amazing. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, I was recovered pretty much right away. I think I only met like maybe I had two days of work off yeah. like the surgery and the day after. And then it was like, call us when you get your period and then we'll do the transfer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
I had my husband with me for the transfer, which is funny because he had not been able to be there for the first egg retrieval. Oh, that's right. My friend took me, his sperm was there. So (laughs) and it worked. (laughs) Um, So he was there for the transfer. And then, um, he had to go to work after. So he dropped me off at acupuncture. Uh-huh. I went to acupuncture. My friend Georgia picked me up from acupuncture. Uh-huh. She brought me home, made me some soup. And then you came over yeah. and we watched Big Business. And it was just okay. It was just okay. I remember but watching it as a kid and loving it. The big thing was everyone told me, watch movies that'll make you laugh. And I did. I had a lot of laughter that day. That's good. Yeah, we rest. did laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and who knows? I mean, I kind of feel like, look, the trans, like the embryo is either going to take or it's not. And like, right. I don't know that there was anything. I, we did all the things. You brought me pineapple. Pine- someone and told yes, me to eat yes, pineapple. Yes. And pomegranate juice. That yeah. was very bitter. <laughs> it was good. I actually like, cause you brought me that whole bottle. I kept drinking yeah. it with sparkling water. I'd add to it. Oh, Delicious. very nice. Very nice. But honestly, the next uh, nine days while I waited for the test were horrible. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that wait is, it's the worst. Yeah. I have another friend. She and her daughter have the same birthday, October 1st, and they had a party and there were babies everywhere. And I just grabbed Steve and I was like, we got to go. I can't. I <laughs> yeah. just left. I ghosted that party. I didn't yeah. say goodbye to I said, I think I said goodbye to one person. I was just like, I can't be here right now. I went to a baby shower once when I was not in a good place <sighs> and I brought a present and halfway through I left and I took my present. <laughs> I love that. I I didn't take the present because I was I didn't want her to have it. I took it because uh, I didn't I didn't have time to write a card and write my name on it. And I'm like not going to leave it and not get the you know the the props. (laughs) But also it just seemed like it was so like vengeful. Like how it's not fair. You know I'm going to take this present. She she has everything. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. And so then. So then, so it was Yom Kippur. I had the day off work. So Yom Kippur is the day of fasting, day of atonement for Jews. And I could not fast because you can't fast if you're pregnant, obviously. And the whole thing is, you know, you know, during the wait, you act as though you're pregnant. So I wasn't drinking, wasn't eating anything that you're not allowed to eat. Um, So I had planned for, like, I had planned the day out that I was going to test early in the morning. And then I was expecting a phone call in the afternoon and I like, I have this, like, <laughs> I have this dip I make when yeah. I want to just like pig out and it's yeah. like buffalo chicken dip. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to make that dip and that's going to be, my, and I'm going to watch Love Island and like, that's going to be my day. Cause I know I'm going to be like crazy yes. waiting by the phone. Yeah. So I think I went at eight 30, there was no one there. So it was just the nurses uh-huh. and is it Patrice? Um, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Hands me a cup and she's like, all right, pee. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I was take a pee test. Yeah. I hate that. And I was like, totally. I was like, wait, but couldn't it come out negative and it could really be positive. And she was like, yeah. She's like, you don't have to take it if you don't want to. And I was like, no, no, I, no, I want to take it. Uh-huh. But I just wasn't expecting. I was like, I have a plan. Right. Not right. know all day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened to me. Why didn't I know? It- oh my God. I feel bad that I didn't tell you that. <laughs> should have warned you because you yeah, might have totally, told me and I forgot I, I was totally thrown off by it so I pee and then I go and I'm notorious at the office because I have terrible veins so it always just takes forever 
<laughs> and um, I try to eat and drink a lot before I come in so that we don't. Cause there were so many times I was there for like half an hour because, and like seven different nurses had to come and take my blood. Yeah. So um, Patrice is doing my blood and Julie walks in. She's like, I got the test. And I was like, what is it? And she's like, it's positive. Oh my God. And I just started sobbing. And then I like started to move. And Patrice was like, you can't move. You have a needle in your arm. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I was absolutely crying. They took the blood and they're like, you know, we'll call you later. And I think I like walked out of the office and I called Steve who was like, it was on a Wednesday and that was the day he works at the farmer's market. It's like his very big busy day. Uh He picked up the phone and I was like, we're pregnant. And he was like, I thought we weren't going to know. And I was like, we do. I peed. Uh (laughs) They're like people walking down the hall. (laughs) (laughs) So that was exciting. Yeah. Oh my God. I drove home. I feel like I almost got in like three accidents on that drive home. (laughs) (laughs) It was very bad. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay. So then you had a little bit of a scare. I did. So we, you know, they say come back and I think we did another, they do another blood test like two days later, all those numbers were normal, perfect, great. And then it's like, all right, now we see you, um, you're four weeks pregnant as of that day. Right. So they say you come back in two weeks when you're six weeks pregnant. And like the two days before that appointment, I went into work and I was feeling, and I said to my friend, I'm like, Oh, I'm feeling so crampy. And I went to the bathroom and there was blood. And oh, I was God. like, it was like the blood that you see when you first start your period. Ugh. So I immediately, I like walked out of the bathroom and I said to my friend, and like, this was a lot of people at work knew the whole process because I'd been in and out and all this stuff was going on. Right. So this particular friend knew and I said, I'm bleeding. And I just walked past her and I just walked out of the office. Um, I called the doctor and they said, you know, just drive in. So I drove from West Hollywood to Encino. Yeah. And, um, you called, called Steve. Oh, I called you. Yeah. <laughs> Steve first. Steve I did first. call Steve first. <laughs> and yes. And the doctor. Why didn't you call me first? And this was again, this was always on a Wednesday. So he's at the farmer's market. He's oh like, my God. Right, I'm going to come meet up with you. And I said, no, no, no. You know, you stay, you do work. And he's like, Hannah, I'm going to come meet you at the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay, you're right. So, um, as it turned out, he wasn't able to get there in time, but that's good because things went fast. So I went to the doctor and they were just like, we're going to get you in as soon as possible. Dr. Keelan wasn't there, but his partner was, I actually ran into a woman that I used to work with on a TV show. Oh yeah. I'd seen her there once before. So she was there and she just looked at my face and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And she was like, I'm going to sit with you until they come. Yeah, which was really really sweet because Steve Steve was like all the way in Santa Monica, so he was not able like right. to get there quickly. Yeah, so she sat with me probably for like ten minutes and just like talked me through everything, and that was really kind. And then um, they called me in, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna you know start you off right away." And I went to the bathroom again like during this time, and like the bleeding had slowed, but it was still there. 
Yeah. They did an ultrasound and right away she was like, there's the baby, there's the heartbeat. Oh my God. It was like huge, huge, huge relief. First time I heard the heartbeat. Yeah. So the panic, I mean, the panic, I know that the feeling of being in there too, in the ultrasound, but having that extra added pressure. Yeah. And I think I remember I called you on the drive. I didn't want to talk. I was like, I felt bad. (laughs) You were great. Cause I was like, I don't want to call my mom. I don't want to upset Uh, her. And you were like, call your mom. (laughs) That's what they would want you to do. Yes. And and it was the right call. Um, cause it was, it's a long drive from West Hollywood to Encino. So I had like a long time to think and think that things were going badly. And I remember just thinking like, Oh my God, I like, we just got this happy news. We've been in this process for whatever. I mean, I think we had been like six months since we had started. Yeah. And I just remember feeling like, God, I can't do Like if this is gone, I can't do this again, which is like, of course I could, but at the moment it just felt like, right, 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 right. Yeah. Just like I can't. Yeah. Um. So very, very lucky. Everything was normal, and it. And so they, they never found a reason why. So if you, if it's a subchorionic hemorrhage, do they know that from an ultrasound, or is that just what they call any bleeding? That they didn't call it anything. She honestly, Julie was the one she saw the ultrasound after, and to get a little graphic, but she said it's the blood is very dark, mm-hmm. and she's like that means it's old. Mm-hmm. And so it's pro- it's like something that's left over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, as far as like she couldn't find any other reason for the bleeding. Okay. Okay. So I looked it up. Subchorionic hemorrhage is not the only reason why you might see bleeding in the first trimester. A subchorionic hemorrhage or hematoma is bleeding that happens when the placenta slightly detaches from the wall of the womb. A sac forms in the gap between the two. Subchorionic hemorrhages vary in size. Smaller ones are the most common. Larger ones cause heavier bleeding. Many, many women have hematomas and go on to have healthy pregnancies. But a large subchorionic hemorrhage may also increase the risk of miscarriage in the first 20 weeks of pregnancy. Symptoms include light to heavy bleeding, Bleeding may be pink, red, or brown, lower stomach pain, and cramping. So another reason could be infection. Bleeding in the first trimester might have nothing to do with pregnancy at all. An infection in your pelvic area or in the bladder or urinary tract can also cause spotting or bleeding. They may be caused by bacteria, viruses, or fungi. A serious yeast infection or inflammation, vaginitis, can also cause bleeding. Infections typically cause spotting or light bleeding that is pink or red in color. Another reason for bleeding might be a cervical polyp. About 2-5% to of women have polyps, small finger-like growths on the cervix, the gateway from the vagina. You know what the cervix is. Cervical polyps are usually benign. However, they can get inflamed or irritated and lead to bright red bleeding. Another reason for bleeding would be intercourse or a physical exam. Keep in mind that anything that might poke at or near the cervix can also irritate and cause bleeding. This happens because pregnancy hormones may make your cervix, along with many other things, more sensitive than normal. Interesting. You might see red blood on your underwear shortly after sex or a physical checkup. Don't fret. The bleeding usually happens once and then goes away on its own. Okay, cool. So they said everything should be normal. We came back two days later anyway because for a regular appointment, Steve was there with me for that one and we saw, you know, that that was a happy one. We got to hear the heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a huge relief. So I think that was the uh, ultrasound too, where Steve decided like every time that he was going to say the baby looked like something, because of course it does not look like a baby at that point. Yeah. 
maybe it was the second one. The other thing is being a fertility patient, you get to keep going in for ultrasounds all the time and it's awesome. (laughs) So you just keep checking on the baby. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas regular pregnancy, you don't know for a while. Oh, and like the checking in constantly was, was very good for my psyche. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think at one of the, maybe it was the second appointment, but Steve's like, it looks like a squirrel. <laughs> and that has become our nickname for the baby. Oh, cute. Uh, yeah. So actually yeah. for Valentine's day, he framed one of the ultrasounds. I think it was the one where he said it looks like a squirrel and wrote squirrel underneath it. It's very cute. So cute. So yeah. So things mostly went around normally, but then I reached it was like 11 weeks, 12 weeks. We were about to like tell everyone. Yeah. So we had reached, we were almost at 12 weeks. It was Thanksgiving. I had always planned on going home for Thanksgiving. Steve stayed here. He had to work. Our families are from the same area. So like his mom comes to my family's Thanksgiving, which is really nice. But while we were there, I had, I woke up one morning and I had a little bit of blood. Oh, it was God. Like a teeny, teeny, tiny amount. Okay. But I called um, my best friend who was in town. Her dad is a recently retired OB. And I talked to him and he was like, just, you just traveled. He's like, I'm sure everything's fine, but I think you should just go to the emergency room. Oh God, Hannah, I didn't know this happened to you. Oh yeah. So Uh. the crazy thing was my mother-in-law was having knee surgery at a nearby hospital. My parents were there. She had been brought by another friend, but my parents were there like waiting for her. I was going to go originally, but I had horrible, horrible um, morning sickness the whole time. Morning sickness, afternoon sickness, evening sickness, all the time. Didn't throw up once, but felt like I was going to throw up 24-7. Yeah, it was so bad. (laughs) My brother drove me to the hospital where my parents already were. Oh, my gosh. Waiting for my mother-in-law to come out of surgery. So my mom comes and meets me in the ER. My brother drops me off. And my brother said, told me later, he's like, I saw a squirrel along the way and I knew everything was going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the ER experience was like not the best. They, um, we had to wait for a really long time, even though it was really not busy. First, they just did like a pelvic exam. And he's like, it doesn't look like there's you know, I don't, I'm not seeing any blood. So whatever, you know, was there has stopped. And I was like, and I said, there was a, a very, very tiny amount. The other thing was it was bright red. Uh huh. And that's why it concerned me. Cause it was like, this is maybe it was from your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I had that thought, Molly, but I made sure. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't. okay, okay. <laughs> Cause I did at first. I was like, this is from my butt. It wasn't. From my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I must have climbed over. I still, and again, we still don't know. So then <laughs> you know, we go to the ultrasound and it's an ultrasound tech. And she's like, I can't tell you anything. Oh God. So you're going to get a report in 40 minutes after she does this very, very long ultrasound. Oh my God. So first she does it vaginally. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is there with me holding my hand. My mom was a um, neonatal social worker. So she's like very familiar with all this stuff. Okay. And it is dead silent in the room. We don't hear a heartbeat. And so my mom says, do you have the sound turned off. And she said, no, I do not. So we thought the sound was on and that it was silent and that we were not hearing a heartbeat. So I lose it and just start (sighs) sobbing. A few minutes later, she goes, well, the baby's moving a lot. And we're like, wait, what? And she's like, well, I can't tell you anything, but I can tell you I'm looking at a baby moving. And we're like, but you said the sound was on and we can't hear anything. She's like, and there's the heartbeat. I can see it. And we're like, 
Well, uh, okay, I have a thought about this, but I, you might know the answer. Tell us. Um, I have a listener who emailed me and said that it's not good to listen to the heartbeat, actually. She is, I think she might be an ultrasound tech. She's mm-hmm. also a friend. But she says that there's a higher rate of miscarriage when you use the thing that... Um, Let me just cut to the email. My friend Kara writes, a bit of advice from some... Oh, my friend Kara is an ultrasound tech. A bit of advice from someone who has seen too much in the ultrasound world. Make sure to tell the tech that scans you at any appointment before your 20 week that you do not, in capitals, do not want to hear the heartbeat. Technologists are supposed to use a different mode to show heartbeat. M mode, M as in Mary, that does not create the same heat exposure that pulse wave does, the one that makes the sound. There is definitely a correlation between miscarriages and quote-unquote hearing the heartbeat, as well as using color power Doppler. Some techs and doctors do it automatically, and it makes me cringe every time I hear someone say they heard an early heartbeat. Oh, and so then I emailed her back and I said, oh, should I, should my doctor not do it or is it just a tech situation? She said, no, they should definitely look for a heartbeat. That's important, but you don't want to hear it. It's a different setting to look and to hear. You just want to look and find the heartbeat in M mode. Again, M is in Mary. Hearing slash listening to the heartbeat is unnecessary. No pulse wave mode, no color mode, M mode only. So there you go. She obviously misheard my mother. Ah, uh, yeah. Because she could have said the sound is off. Right. That's why you're not hearing anything. Right. But she misheard my mom and said and implied the sound was on. Right. And that was the problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then we misunderstood and thought, okay, well, this is silent because there's no heartbeat. She she did the ultrasound forever. She did it vaginally and then did on top. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and then we. By that point, I think we had to wait another 45 minutes to get the official report, but we knew by then the baby's moving, the baby's fine. Right. So huge relief. I probably, you know, didn't have to go in. I don't know. But it was like, you know, I mean, any, the whole pregnancy, I was so, it's so precious. It's so, you worked so hard to get it. Yeah. And you're going to be the same way and I'll be there for you. (laughs) It's it's very, it's very hard. Like I just constantly was in fear of losing it. And then the hardest part of my pregnancy, I think was like the big chunk of the second trimester, which now we're no longer seeing uh, Dr. Kalen at at nine weeks. He's like, everything's good. Now you move on to the OBGYN. And then I go to the OB and he's like, all right, I know it's going to be weird for you, but you're going to come in once a month now. Yeah. So the not knowing, you can't feel anything. Oh no. And I was just like, I didn't handle it well. And then also, I think once I stopped feeling sick, which was probably around like week 14. So now it's like, you don't really have any symptoms. You're not really showing. You can't feel anything and you're not looking. So I would just be like such a mess between. Because you have no idea if you're pregnant or not. I mean, you're pregnant because there's something in you, but. But like, there's nothing that's showing me that I am. God, that's terrifying. Crazy. Um, yeah, I really, it just was not like, I was not built for that anxiety. It was, uh, it was rough. And so now you've made it to. So now I've made it to the third trimester. And that's yes. the other thing. Like once I could start feeling the baby and now I can really feel him. He is a kicker. Uh. <laughs> and now I feel like, oh, okay. I have no anxiety now. Like I know he's good. We've made it like 
28 weeks is where they say like if something were to happen and we're going to early labor, like he would, he has a very, very high chance of survival. Yeah. So like, it's nice to pass that point. I mean, obviously you still want to, I want to cook him as long as possible, but the relief has set in (laughs) and then COVID. Then COVID. Oh my God. Yeah. As soon as it was like, all right, we're good to go. I mean, literally, I think I hit the third trimester, like day two of my work from home plan. Got you. Okay. So what was your, before any of this, what was your, what was your plan for labor and delivery? Uh, and is it the same? Um, so we had never, we still haven't discussed it with my doctor, but mm-hmm. mostly like a, I'm definitely delivering in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Quite certain. I want an epidural of some sort. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I have no expectations. I'm just like, whatever. Okay gets me and the baby out healthy. Yeah. We're good with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't changed. Um, someone did bring up to me, like, do I want to do research into a midwife? And I really, I don't. Well, I think I really that midwives are getting more, way more work now because Definitely. people don't want to go to hospitals. Um, and I had an, an, um, a labor and delivery nurse message me last weekend or last week after the podcast because I, the last episode, Molly, you know, Mo- Molly Erdman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know her personally, but like she oh, yeah. was on stage when I was like in conservatory. Oh, Second cool. City in Chicago. Yeah. 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 The two of us talked about whether or not you have to do a C-section at 42 weeks or if any doctors let you do it, mm-hmm. let, let it keep going after that. And, and I did some very scant research and, and I was like, yeah, 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 you have to do it. And so anyway, this labor and delivery nurse who is actually now studying to be a midwife messaged me and was like, no, 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 you don't have to do it. And uh, her, I mean, her message to me was more about like, you are your own advocate. You can Mm -hmm. do whatever you want. You, nobody forces you into anything. And this is, and I'll just read her message to me right now. No, I won't because my mom already read it to you. My best friend's dad he didn't tell me this, but his, my best friend, I'm also close with her, the rest of her family, her brother mm-hmm. and I were talking and he mm-hmm. said his dad would not want you to go too far past because the amniotic fluid isn't as healthy and like the placenta starts to kind of go downhill. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something at this point that like, I know a lot of first pregnancies tend to go a little late. I know I was late for oh, my yeah. mom, but I will be my own advocate, but I also like this doctor. I really, really trust. He's been oh, absolutely yeah. wonderful. Um, so we'll. I mean, at this point, it's I'm like, not saying anything about that. I'm just yeah, yeah. bringing it up because I, I I sort of failed last week at at sort of doing the right research because I was like, <laughs> I'm tired. I'm quarantined. I don't. My computer's <laughs> tiny. It's much harder to edit on this tiny laptop. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important that and people should know yeah. that they do not have to do a C-section or do an induction at 42 weeks that, people, yeah. that you can go and do your own thing. And a lot of babies are born naturally at home. And I haven't gotten into any of that because I plan on talking about all of that when I am fucking pregnant. I know. If that ever happens. It is going to happen. But my God, I mean, the roadblocks <laughs> have come up. To, like, what, what, what's happening in the world right now? So, so you feel okay about going to a hospital and I mean, I mean, at this and moment, you've got oh, a couple more months to go. I've so got a couple more months. Yeah. yeah. So I'm due mid June. We saw the doctor two weeks ago 
And it was like just after the shelter in place went into effect. And Mm -hmm. so they're not seeing any patients other than OB and emergencies Mm -hmm. and everyone at the office is wearing masks. So it's weird because the office typically is just jam packed with people. He's a really popular practice. Uh, And the last time we went, we like looked around, we're like, Oh, there's no one here. (laughs) Like walked in exactly on time which never happens. Yeah. And my doctor said, you know, I think this is going to peak in a few weeks and mm-hmm. I think it's going to settle down by the time you deliver and explain to me like how they keep everything separate um, mm-hmm. as far as labor and delivery versus the rest of the hospital. And like, even the entrance is different. And he was like, do not go to the emergency room uh-huh. at all. Like okay. stay away from the emergency room. We started to like pick up appointments again, instead of being once a month, like now they're a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. So we have one this week coming up and he said we might just do Skype, which I, my guess is we will, uh-huh. um, because there's nothing at this point like concerning. Right. Um, so I have, they don't need to take blood pressure and all that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. Like I oh, no gestational diabetes, which was a huge relief. Yeah. I got that result right before or like right after we went into shelter in place. And I was like, it's hard enough to find food right now. Like, please yeah. don't limit what I can eat. Yes. So that was a big relief. Yeah, that's good. Um, so everything like has been totally normal. And we did our fetal anatomy scan. Um, I think at like 23 weeks, that's when we found out it was a boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is kind of a, this is a fun story, which was yes. just that we didn't want to know at the fertility clinic, obviously, you know, the embryo was DNA tested and I was like very regimented about it. It was like, do not tell us the sex. We do not want to know. Uh-huh. So they hit it on everything. And like the other five embryos, we have no idea what those are. They sent us the report and they whited it all out. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, and then every time I like went into, it, I was like, don't say the sex. And they're like, we're not going to say the sex. And I think Dr. Kalen's like, I don't even know what it is. Like, I have kept myself from knowing it. We will not reveal it because we weren't going to find out. And then as time went by, we were like, oh, you know, I think we want to find out. I think it's going to make it feel a little more real. And so we said, let's find out at the fetal anatomy scan. Like that'll be fun. And then we get to that scan and it's with a different, it's not our regular OB. There's like a specialist. Mm-hmm but he's at our OB's office. And so he does the thing where he says, okay, well, you know, I might not be able to see anything. Like sometimes their legs are closed. And... You're about to brag about your baby's penis size. <laughs> I know this. No. Okay. Go I don't on. know about the size. Just that he was very much like, we might not know. And so, you know, and it might be unclear. So I just want you to be prepared for that. And you might, you know, and he was like, well, you could call the fertility clinic. And we're like, we know, we know we could call, but this is more. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it really, it was like three seconds and he's like, well, you know what that is? And I was like, penis? <laughs> <He's> like, <"Yeah."> <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing was like that scan was great because they just look at everything and they can tell you that there's no cleft palate. They can tell you that like his spine oh, wow. is normal and no spina wow. bifida. And um, <laughs> he measured his head and I was concerned because everyone in my family has gigantic heads. Yes. And I was like, the head normal? And he was like, it's on the big side of normal, I guess. <laughs> He's like, it's normal. Yeah. So that, you know, I think that was like the final between having the DNA testing and then seeing the fetal anatomy scan. We're like, this is a healthy baby. So it's just, that's been a huge relief. Um, right. Yeah. So then, so anyway, we saw the doctor, whatever it was, two weeks ago. And yeah, I mean, he's pretty optimistic that things will have settled down by then. Obviously we have no idea, but people are doing it now when things, I mean, even in New York where things are crazy, there was that scare for a second that there would be no partners allowed, but that has gone away. 
Yes. Yeah. That, that part was scary. There is a thing where they're separating not healthy people, but right. separating yes. the mom and the baby. If one, if is it if the mom has the virus or the yes. kid or the baby? Okay. Well, I think either. Wow. I think the likelihood of the baby having the virus and not the mom is very, very, very small. I think it has passed through um, a couple, like literally three women. I think have shown let it pass through the placenta, but for, but those babies wow. recovered like very, very quickly, five or six oh, they days. Did? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, According to the World Health Organization, we still do not know if a pregnant woman with COVID-19 can pass the virus to her fetus or baby during pregnancy or delivery. To date, the virus has not been found in samples of amniotic fluid or breast milk. Another question that's here that's interesting is, can women with COVID-19 breastfeed? The answer is yes. Women with COVID-19 can breastfeed if they wish to do so. They should practice respiratory hygiene during feeding, wearing a mask where available. Wash hands before and after touching the baby and routinely clean and disinfect surfaces they have touched. This is very intense, but I thought I should mention that it is possible to hold and breastfeed your baby if you are experiencing symptoms of COVID-19. Anyway, for more information, you can go to the World Health Organization page it is called Q&A on COVID-19, pregnancy, childbirth, and breastfeeding. I, I have stayed fully at home. Or my doctor did say, he's like, I don't want you going to the grocery store, which I had been doing. Right. Oh, okay. Um, so Steve's doing all the grocery shopping yeah. and, you know, we're doing, or other than I'm just home and sometimes I'll go for a walk and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what my birth is going to look like, but as long as it's, you know, we'll be healthy my husband will be there. I don't think something will happen where he won't be able to be there. Also, yeah. if he if someone tells him he won't be there, he will do something and get arrested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like my biggest concern now, well, so like our classes have been canceled. We were supposed to actually be at one today, oh. um, a birth class. And we had uh-huh. another one, I think in a week or two, they've shown, they've um, redirected us to some stuff online, but we haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> You know, I'm a little like nervous about that stuff, but I think mostly you forget what you learn in the classes anyway. Yeah. Well, you could also, I mean, I don't know, do they offer any one-on-one stuff online? Um, I have a friend who's a doula could be, and she was, have a doula? She has offered me something. Uh, she's not my doula, but she's my friend. Mm-hmm. And she was like, let's, you know, maybe do a Zoom class and yeah. I can like talk you guys through stuff. So we'll do that. At this point, yeah, I think that would like be helpful early. just to have some, I yeah, so but too. just to have somebody answering your questions so exactly. that like... You don't have to watch. I mean, you can still watch the videos, but yeah. it's like when you have one question, you, then you have to watch a 25-minute video to figure yeah. out the answer, you know? Yeah. yeah. The the biggest concern I have right now is like our, our family is going to be able to come out here yeah. um, after we've had the baby. And I don't know if that And help you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom was planning on coming out for some time. We're also trying to figure out... I have a four-month maternity leave. Steve has um, actually been laid off right? because um, he's in the restaurant industry. So that yeah. happened pretty much right away. So will he be back at work? Will he um, be on FMLA leave? And we were planning on um, dividing his leave up a little bit mm-hmm. because the law changes on July 1st. I'm due June 17th. July 1st, you get eight weeks. Um, so What's we're like, I don't know what FMLA is. Um, family... Medical leave and absence. Oh, okay. I'll definitely okay. have to do a Family and Medical Leave Act, nineteen ninety-three. The state pays you a certain amount of your salary, and you get six weeks. But as of July first, it becomes eight weeks. Okay. So we're like, all right, if I have this baby 
two weeks before this law changes. Like maybe he takes off a day or two when the baby's born. He'll still be around on the weekends and the evenings and he's not, he doesn't work super long hours. So he'll be around, but then delay his leave until July 1st. And then he gets two whole extra weeks. That would be good. We're like, Oh, it'd be great. Have my mom come out and she can help me while he's at work. Yeah. And she can go when he now starts his leave and he'll be around full time for two months. But, But now you don't know if he'll, if mom can make it. Don't know if mom can make it. Don't know if he'll be at work. Right, right, right. Lots of things up in the air. Oh, God. You know, whatever it is, like, whatever it is, <laughs> we'll be okay. My family yeah. will meet my son at some point. Yes. <laughs> my brother is supposed to be getting married August 1st. Ooh. We're already planning on flying out with a six-week-old. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, I don't know. And then that is obviously totally up in the air. Yeah. But it's just like... It, it will be what it will be. Yep. Yep. Whatever happens, we'll figure it out. It's just yeah. so, uh, it's just crazy it's to have really no control, crazy. no way to plan. But I guess that's been this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, uh, <laughs> the fertility and, and Corona, like there's no yeah. knowing what's going to happen. There's no knowing. And that's, so I mean, even if it weren't go. Corona, there, there's so many things that could happen. So my yeah. anxiety will just be with me forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's only going to get worse. <laughs> I do remember at the first, so it was actually, so the second ultrasound after we were pregnant, after I had the emergency one and we heard the baby's heartbeat and I was like kind of holding my breath because this was two days after the um, feared miscarriage and Steve's with me. And then we finally hear the heartbeat and we see the heartbeat and Dr. Keelan sat down with us after and he goes, okay, so you know that feeling you had, uh, that's going to be with you for the next 50 years. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, that'll be when your child gets on the bus to go to school. That'll be <laughs> when he goes off to, I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. This is, this is my life now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh God. He's kicking to say hello. Can you stand up for me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that. Get a little baby. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh, Beautiful. Thank you. I'm so happy everything's going well. Thanks. And you seem like your brain is in a good place. You don't seem anxious. Where's got going? <laughs> yeah. Work. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's kind of good to be working from home right now because I can take a little naps during the day if I need yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> I can do stuff laying down if I need to. Yeah. It's great. It could be worse. And you, you and Steve have each other. <laughs> <laughs> I was really scared, but we're getting along great. Oh, good. That's great. I love it. Good. All right. I'm going to go clean vegetables, scrub right. them. So much fun with your family. Who will? So happier with them now. Me too. I'll be back in a few weeks, I guess. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck I have knows? no idea. I'm just like, okay. I don't think I'm going back to work before my maternity leave. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. unlikely. Right, day so by day. So okay. We'll love send you. you this. Love you oh, too. Oh, yeah. Send it to me. Okay. Love yeah. you. Mwah. Talk to you talk soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah. So great to talk to you and so great to see that baby belly. Is that what they call it? Baby bump? Whatever. You look gorgeous and I'll be back eventually. So I hope you'll let me see your baby maybe through a window or something. Mom, thank you so much for reading those emails for me. And everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Now, don't forget, if you have any questions for my mom, or if you want her to read a chapter of her book, or if you want her and my dad to sing me 
questions and suggestions. And then if you want to hear all of my mom's responses, you'll have to join the Patreon at the $5 level or more. In general, if you just want to support the podcast, go ahead and join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash spermcast. Or if you don't want to join the Patreon, you hate subscriptions and emails and you don't even want to listen to this extra content, then go to Venmo and Venmo me at Molly Python Hockey. Want to support the podcast but you don't have any money? Go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and oh my gosh, you better have subscribed by now. <laughs> I don't think you'd be listening if you weren't subscribed. Anyway, leave me a review. It helps. Give me a five-star rating. I would love it. Don't forget, if you're struggling right now, if you need an ear, I am doing fertility consultations. Email me at spermcast at gmail.com, and I will send you my info and my rates. I'm really loving it. My clients are really loving it. It's it's good for You can email me at spermcast at gmail.com. You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 323-741-1818. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at spermcast. That's it, right? What else is there? Okay, I'm going to go teach my mom how to make spaghetti squash. Scooby bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Spermcast. An Erios production. Powered by ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.